It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, August 26th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the capital city prepares for flooding as the Pearl River rises. Then caregivers in Rankin County reflect on unexpected evacuations caused by Wednesday's heavy rains. Plus, a look at the Mississippi Lottery. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Heavy rains from this week are presenting a new set of challenges for residents in the Jackson metro area. The downpours caused serious flash flooding in parts of central and southern Mississippi on Wednesday. But as all the rain in the Pearl River Valley north of the reservoir flows downstream, it's creating the threat of a major flooding event in the capital city and surrounding areas. During a press conference yesterday, Marty Pope, surface hydrologist with the National Weather Service, explained the situation. What we're seeing right now is we've had a conference call with the Pearl River Valley, the Corps of Engineers, and we were coordinating all our forecasts uh, from the Lower Mississippi River Forecast Center. And we've come up with uh, we're seeing right now about 70,000 going to be coming into the reservoir, 70,000 cubic feet per second, which would uh, give us approximately 36 feet on the per river gauge, and that would be on uh, Tuesday time frame. So what that will do, that would be on the gauge at Lakeland Drive, that would be around 41.5 feet. If you, people follow their Lakeland River gauge, that would be at 41.5 feet on uh Monday afternoon, it would get to that point there. So, um, what we're what we're thinking today, they've actually the reservoir itself has actually gone up to forty five thousand cubic feet per second, which will take the river up to thirty four feet fairly quickly. That will put some uh, areas, some water in some of the streets. Uh, eventually, once we get beyond the thirty four feet, as we approach that thirty six, and that'll be over the weekend. But um, just to let you know, uh, we're, we're going to be meeting each day uh, with, uh, our, uh, with the Pearl River Valley Water Supply District as well as with our Lower Mississippi River Forecast Center, and we'll be coordinating these forecasts each day. 
The 36-foot crest is nearly identical to the levels in 2020 when parts of northeast Jackson flooded. The similarities are not lost on Stephen McRaney, executive director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. As we look into the rearview mirror of flooding back in 2020, uh, saying a 36-foot, uh, that's very relative to some of that that we had then. So I've uh, been talking with Hines County, uh, with the Emergency Management Office there, and also looking at whether or not uh, uh, shelters are going to be needing and whatnot. So we've got the supplies ready. Uh, the, the state has created a state emergency logistical operations center uh, that we have uh, just south of Jackson. So we've been able to stock supplies there, so we are ready and able to assist when necessary. But I can't say enough about what the local first responders have done. Jackson Fire Department, Police Department, the Sheriff's Department in Hines County to this point, I have not seen an operation go this smooth without uh, the need for extra help or state assistance at this point, except for we are ready and, and willing to come and help when needed. The professionalism, the plans that have been put in place over the last three years, perfect. Execution of those we were talking on the way up, uh, that they have been executed perfectly and been able to be handled. So we are here. We're, we're the catcher. We're, we're ready to respond and assist when necessary for the city of Jackson, Hines County, as well as other counties in the state. But uh, we, we need to, for the locals to think about that, that flooding that happened just a few years ago. If you were impacted then, it's a very good possibility you will be impacted now. So we want you to get prepared. Uh, and get your supplies ready. Talk, look, look at your pets. Look at uh, elderly uh, folks in your area. Go ahead and get that plan together. Get that ready. And then uh, we'll be able to give the resources to necessary when we're called on. As preparations for flooding continue, Jackson Mayor Shokwe Antarlamumba is advising residents in flood-prone areas to consider evacuation before roads become impassable. The event will be similar, uh, potentially, to what we experienced in 2020. As of right now, uh, there is likely already water on roadways uh, in parts of downtown Jackson. Uh, I want to state, uh, you know, our, our, you know, immense sensitivity and, and deep regards for those that are already suffering at the hands of flash flooding. We know there are several communities uh, that are already suffering in that regard. This event that we are preparing for is related to the Pearl River and so we expect somewhere by Monday until Tuesday, many neighborhoods will be impacted. Uh, Riverwood, West Brook, uh, Canton Club area, et cetera. I have a more exhaustive list that I will share at the conclusion of our press conference uh, to prepare other communities that, that we believe could potentially be impacted by these waters. Uh, I think it is important that our residents prepare in advance. Uh, we don't want to take for granted that we've seen these experiences before. Uh, it is quite possible that you live in a community that has been advised, could potentially see this water, and maybe you weren't impacted in 2020. We cannot make assurances. If we are advising you that you are in a flood-prone area or an at-risk area, and you will see us before you over the next few, the next couple of days frequently, this, this will be a team that, that will be joining you uh, very often. If we instruct you that you are in a risk area or a high-risk area, please heed that advice. We're calling for voluntary evacuation uh, to take place over the course of this time uh, in the areas that are expected to be affected. 
LaMamba says sandbag distribution in the city has already begun. The most recent forecast from the National Weather Service has the river reaching major flood stage sometime early Tuesday morning. Coming up, caregivers in Rankin County reflect on unexpected evacuations caused by Wednesday's heavy rains. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Fix It 101 is a fun podcast with lots of home improvement information. Even if that's not your bag, all of the episodes are archived online. So if the mood strikes you or if the need motivates you, you can search your project. And yes, there is a Fix It 101 podcast for that. I'm Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner and associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, there's information you can use to help maintain a healthy lifestyle. Just search for Southern Remedy on your favorite podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. While the areas along the Pearl River prepare for potential river flooding, Some caretakers in Rankin County are recovering from the flash flooding that devastated parts of the state earlier this week. In Florence, the railroad daycare became an island on Wednesday afternoon when a tributary crossing under their drive rose with floodwaters in a matter of moments. It prompted quick action from Shannon Clyborne and Dodie Cole, who spoke with MPB's Rhonda Dunaway. Um, It rained a good bit just in a short amount of time, but even after the rain had cleared away, the road was still somewhat drivable. It was not in the condition it was in um, later in the afternoon. It happened within a matter of minutes, maybe from, what, 155 to about 210. It rose so quick, so fast, and it wasn't even hardly raining. It may have been a drizzle, but that uh, the water just came in so fast. So we didn't really foresee it being a problem, however, um, but it was just it was just unknown to us of what it was going to do. Um, so y'all just kind of took precaution? Well, we let our parents know that, you know, we, we decided to close at 3.30 and have parents come pick up because the surrounding areas, we were hearing messages and things like that, the surrounding areas. We had some employees that had to go out of the way uh, because roads were closed. So, and again, our road was fine at that moment. 49 was fine at that moment. We were still going to pick up our school-aged children across the highway. Um, we did not have any problems with the road close to us, but we made the decision to go ahead and close early so we would not have parents stranded and not able to come pick their children up um, coming in from coming into Florence. Um, but with like in just a matter of minutes, it rose up so fast. So our parents were already headed this way to pick up. I was not on site. I was picking the children up. Miss Doty was here on site, Miss Selena was here on site, and they evacuated the children. Um, so uh, what was going through y'all's mind uh, at the time y'all were, were y'all having to wade through water to get the babies on there, or was there really? Right through here just to get them onto the truck. I mean, it was just maybe maybe Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mid, mid. Thankfully, mid- water did not get in the building. It just got That's close right. to the building. There was no water in the building. The children were safe the children had caregivers the children had food water everything they needed it's just however how quick the water rose in such a short period of time is what was was the main concern we didn't know if it was going to continue to rise and then i think um a bystander was coming to pick do pick up and they were very alarmed at it we didn't even get a chance to assess things or even think about what next step um but they they had called in some resources which we're glad they did um and they were here in a matter you know 
a matter of minutes. Yes. So it was basically, you know, to just make sure that, it, like, no one was ever in any danger. Just they, you know, saw that the uh, road was uh, overwatered. The, the main concern was just the water getting in the building and not being able to get the children out. So they just, they wanted to get the children out then at that moment, which is great. Um, and why they did, but thankfully the water never got in the building and never got passed. Um, and it did take four hours probably for it to, to go down, for it to successfully go down. So again, the children evacuating the building was probably the best plan at that moment so they could be reunited with their parents because I'm, I'm a parent myself. I know how I would only feel if I was on the other side, knowing my child was sitting somewhere else where I couldn't see them. <laughs> right. But they well, never got wet. They stayed dry. We carried them onto them. We did it class by class so the teachers could be with them and stayed with them. The teachers did a phenomenal job. They they carried those babies out, kept them happy, kept them dry. Miss um, Selena and her crew carried out 12 infants. My goodness. <laughs> so, like I said, they, 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 were the, they were the hero. They were among the many heroes yesterday getting these babies out. Well, um, so Getting them back to their parents. A little further north in Brandon, Peachtree Retirement Community was inundated without warning. Owner Colin Cheek says the assisted living residents saw floodwaters up to 16 inches in a matter of minutes. That wasn't a plan in place to prevent water from coming in the buildings because the area isn't considered a flood zone. But Cheek says staff and residents are prepared for emergency situations. Gosh, I know we got everybody... Um, out and safe around 12:30 or one, so um, I guess you know 10:30, 11, that kind of time frame was when things started getting bad. It seemed like it was all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did anybody have any issues, or were there any issues with um, you know some of your um, house uh, residents? So no, uh, thankfully not. We're we're very fortunate. Uh, we have a phenomenal team, a great group of leaders that really uh, went to action very quickly. Uh, a lot of phenomenal first responders, a lot of heroes in, in this county that came, that, that, that really rose to the occasion, uh, um, EMA and, and fire department and sheriff and everybody that just came out. We just cannot thank them enough. But the support from the community has been unbelievable, uh, and we're so grateful for that. A lot of just, just bystanders, just good citizens walking by that dropped everything to come here and save people. Uh, but, no, we got everybody out safely in time. Nobody was hurt, um, and everybody's... Uh, was placed very quickly, um, and, and everybody's safe and sound now. So yeah. Well, wonderful. Um, so it looks like y'all are having to do a lot of cleanup today, huh? We are, yeah. Were you surprised by how fast the waters came up? or Because, as I understand, this is not really um, a flood zone at all. No, it's not a flood zone at all. In fact, I was on my computer this morning pulling up the FEMA flood map, and we know it's not a flood zone, but we've been on the phone with insurance and everybody. and You know, it's uh, no, it's not in a flood zone at all. Um, so we're... Yeah, it, it happened in a matter of minutes. Our, one of our contractors was, was here doing renovations unrelated to this, and uh, he saw the water coming in, and he went to Home Depot to get sandbags. And, and, you know, he saw the water come in the parking lot, and he went to go get sandbags. He came back, and it was you know, 16 inches in the building. So, Colin Cheek is the owner of Peachtree Retirement Community in Brandon. Coming up, a look at the Mississippi Lottery. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft 
and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Big money drawings and dollar scratch-off games are the hallmarks of the Mississippi Lottery. Jackpots for some multi-state games have recently topped $1 billion. And the Lottery Corporation made its first transfer of the fiscal year earlier this month. As the lottery reaches its third year anniversary this fall, we talk with Director of Communications Meg Anison. Well, we have been selling lottery games since November 25th, 2019. So this November will mark our third year of selling. We're still relatively new compared to all the other surrounding lotteries and existing lotteries in the U.S. And talking about um, the lotteries, there's the Powerball, the Mississippi Mega Millions, there's scratch-offs. What seems to be most popular among Mississippians? Well, this is a trend that's pretty consistent industry-wide, but scratch-offs are the biggest sellers for the majority of lotteries. And, you know, I don't know if it's just sort of the instant knowledge, whether you win or don't win, that really attracts people to it, or the colors or the designs or just the fact that you can, you know, play a different sort of game depending on the ticket you choose. But scratch-offs definitely make up the highest percentage of sales for Mississippi. The wins, though, aren't as great, right? Uh, It just depends. I mean, we do have at least one scratch-off available with top prizes of $500,000. So, I mean, that's pretty awesome. And that, um, you know, our Mississippi Match 5, which is an in-state draw game, that jackpot starts at 50000 and increases, um, you know, a few thousand every time it rolls over. So, I mean, scratch-offs can provide equally good wins as some of the draw games. It's just different. Have you switched out some scratch cards for other ones? Do you do like a rotation after you determine oh, sure. which are more popular? Well, you can go to our website, mslotteryhome.com, and click on Scratch-Off Games, and you can see which scratch-offs are still active. Those are in the market. You can see which games are ending and which games have completely ended. There are several different factors that go into place when ending a game, and most of it uh, relates to how many top prizes are remaining. If most of the top prizes have been claimed, then we typically end a game. Um, But again, other factors also contribute to ending games. So we're constantly introducing new new scratch-off games every month and then ending games probably every six to nine months. I want to talk about the mechanics of it to get a handle on. Do you have companies that you pay to make the scratch-off tickets? Do they know? That's what our third-party vendor does. Um, When we first began we sent out an RFP. Um, There are just a handful of companies who actually do the production of scratch-off games and draw-style games. And so our company who won the bid is IGT, and they are in charge of producing all the scratch-offs, going through the testing, and just other technical 
specifics? I don't play a lot. Many people dream of winning the lottery, and there's even an HGTV program that features people who won a lottery and are looking to buy a home. Right. It's a part for people who play of potentially a dream come true. Yeah, it's it's part of the fun. You know, we promote our players to have fun while also playing responsibly, responsibly, but you're absolutely right. I mean, part of the appeal is just the dream and the what ifs, right? Yes, but you have to play to win. But then detractors say it also drains money from folks who can least afford it if they get caught up too much in trying to win money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, you know, sometimes we do come across players who appear a little too vested, and I'm the first one to tell them, you know, it's okay to take a break and maybe you should t- take a step back. And we work very closely with the National uh, Council on Problem Gambling and the Mississippi branch of that organization. And so we have a very, um, you know, readily available resource for people who might need it. Do you find that you need to do a lot of advertising or it advertises itself? Uh, you know, it it does pretty much take care of itself, especially when these national jackpots get so high. I mean, what, at the end of July or mid-July, it was both of them were reaching, or Mega Millions was a little more than a billion. And so when you when you get numbers like that, you it pretty much takes care of itself. People know. Yeah, I, I read about a man from Biloxi who missed the $1.28 billion uh, game Mega Millions by one digit. So he got yeah, 20000 You know, although I take 20000 readily, but comparing yeah, we were, that we to... We run into that a lot with some of our draw games where people could have won whatever jackpot it is by one number, but they still are winners, you know. They yeah, yeah. But you think about that $1.28 billion, you're like, oh, my gosh. You know, yeah. that's just it's such a huge amount. of money like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Well, with the Mega Millions and the Powerball, they can take cash or they can get money across a number of years. What do you find most people want to do? Well, we haven't had a jackpot hit here in Mississippi. So, I mean, everybody who's won from $1,000 up to, I think, our highest was $2 million a couple of years ago, everybody's taken cash. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that um, is important to know about the lottery? Yeah, I mean, it is important to know that in these monthly transfers we send per the um, lottery legislation, you know, the first. $80 million in net proceeds goes to roads and bridges for 10 years. And then anything in excess of $80 million goes to the Education Enhancement Fund. So while players are having fun and enjoying our games and, you know, hopefully winning, the state of Mississippi is also winning, too, in what we return back to them. Meg Anison is the Director of Communications for the Mississippi Lottery. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.